everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry. I'm your host, Katrina Rochelle, and I am here with my best friend and co-host, Jose Angel, where we talk about your favorite or sometimes least favorite celebrities. How are you, Jose? I'm doing great. I I always hesitate when I say that. Because you don't know if you're truly doing great. Yeah. For this episode, I guess I'm doing great. Okay. And that's good because it's all about you today. All about me. I'm not on the I'm not on the docket, thankfully. <laughs> Today we will be discussing Brian Warner. Do you know who Brian Warner is? No, who is Brian Warner? He's more famously known as Marilyn Manson. Ah, okay, I saw what you did. Come on, pull <laughs> one out of your hat. Are I you sure a fan of Manson? Hell no. <laughs> i feel bad because like when i was a child slash teenager you know you saw him and you judged him like based off his look even though not quite he just did some weird gross stuff that i just didn't like yeah and then uh you hear stuff later and you're like man totally had that one right (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to say like i had that one right just because you can be weird it does not mean you do horrible things that is true, but I don't, I don't you doing some bloody stuff. I, I stays the ways. Yeah, if I'm being honest, he always not scared me, but like grossed me out. But I it feel like that's got a vibe. I feel that's the whole point of his shtick. That is true. I do like a few of his songs though. But what are they? Bloody Valentine? Like the beautiful people, like his hits. Oh, uh, I never I need to maybe see what a Marilyn Manson hit is. Not like in a bad way, but like, what was the song that really put him on the map? Because I really, I've never heard. He just kind of existed to me. I never knew any of his music or anything. I can see that. I got most <laughs> of my information from Manson's autobiography, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell, and from the Huffington Post and Insider.com and from People. I wanted to add a trigger warning to this episode, but I don't even know what to say for the trigger warning. Like it has self-harm, abuse, sexual assault. A little of everything, so it's all in there. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson was born January 5th, 1969. As you know, that makes him a Capricorn. Well, Part of the reason I picked him today is because you've been so smug about Capricorns lately. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know much about the scandal, but I knew there was something there. You're a fucking terrible person. Why are you trying to bring this on to my astrological side? <laughs> Because it's Libra season now. The fact that you came out so lethal was so funny. Like, you've been so smug. Well, I haven't even attacked your. You haven't, but last time you were, oh, Janet is a Capricorn. And it's like, okay. Janet was. (laughs) So was Manson. And she's a superior Capricorn, you know? Unfortunately, we just live in a system where we judge people. And if we got to, I'm top tier cat. (laughs) (laughs) manson grew up going to a christian school while there he didn't really feel like he fit in he started to try and get kicked out by little things like selling candy at school and candy was not allowed selling heavy metal music cassettes and selling a magazine he made and copied and it was kind of like a mad magazine that he just drew Mm -hmm. those things didn't really work so he tried to up the ante and put a dildo in his teacher's desk (laughs) zero to a (laughs) hundred that didn't work either he thinks it's because his parents paid for his tuition instead of being in like a program that half the kids were there for for like a lower income families 
Manson writes, quote, I would have to exercise my own free will to walk away. And two months into 10th grade, I did just that. He doesn't really explain more how that happened, but he got his wish of being in public school and he still didn't really fit in that much, but it was slightly better. They trying to do those stuff at the public school? <laughs> no, I not that I read. Oh, darn it. G. Wilkers. He was also practicing self-harm around this time, saying he would take a pocket knife up and down his ar- forearm during class. Jeez. During class, too? Yeah. Oof. His father, a Vietnam vet, was mostly aloof to Manson growing up. He describes his father of having PTSD and screaming at night. And when he would give Manson attention, it was to yell at him for something being out of order, like the dishwasher not being emptied or the lawn not being mowed. Manson says he would make himself seem busy when his father got home to not get in trouble. While Manson describes himself as a mama's boy, he was actually quite abusive to his mother. Damn. He says his father was a very jealous man and accused his mom of having an affair. And Manson kind of saw it as his mom is breaking up the family. So one night his mom was like late returning home and Manson asked where she had been and she didn't answer him. I guess because she was the adult and he was the teenager. Yeah. So Manson got mad and threw a cologne bottle at her face, causing her to have to go to the hospital and leaving her with a permanent scar. Man, so this whole, it's the house of horrors. Yeah, it seems like it. Manson says from then he would hit, spit on, and choke his mom, but she never fought back. She just cried, and he never felt sorry. And so he was, so he's getting abused by his father, and in return, he's deciding to abuse his mother. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Sadistically decides to refer to himself as a mama's boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's very unfortunate i don't know if he feels bad now and how manson describes her in the book she doesn't seem as abusive maybe more like smothering him and leaned on manson too much when his father wasn't around and uh she has to be a part enabler because you know she was staying in that abusive ass household where not only is she getting abused but her son's getting abused in return it's just a badass cycle that and is nobody's true. willing to break it yeah They just want to stay in it. Manson started writing and trying to send his short stories into magazines, and they were being denied. He started going to community college, majoring in journalism and theater. He got one story published called Moon on the Water. While at college, he wrote for their newspaper. From there, he got a job at a newspaper called Tonight Today, where he wrote about rock music. From there, he managed to get a job for a magazine called 25th Parallel. So... This is around 1989. The band Two Live Crew came out with the song Dirty Nursery Rhymes. Mm-hmm. I know about Two Live Crew. Yeah, and their song like throws people into a tizzy. So Manson says it inspired him. He said, quote, all of this inspired me to create my own science project and see if a white band that wasn't rap could get away with acts far more offensive and illicit than Two Live Crew's Dirty Rhymes. As a performer, I wanted to be the loudest most persistent alarm clock I could be because there didn't seem like any other way to snap society out of its Christianity and media induced coma. And as if you know anything about Manson, I think he achieves that. Uh At first he tries to just perform his poems at open mic night. They were not being published. So he thought this was a good way to get them out. 
people didn't seem to like them, but they would like come up to him after and say that he had a good voice. <laughs> Shitty content. Love the voice. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is where Manson now decides to make a band. Comes up with the name Marilyn Manson. It's Marilyn from Marilyn Monroe being good and Manson from Charles Manson being bad. So he's trying to say like there's good or beauty in everybody and bad in everybody. Another reason he decides he's sure. a fake. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Another reason he decided to use a fake name is he was still writing for 25th Parallel, and this way he could write about himself. <laughs> Look at him. That's smart, though. <laughs> it is smart. So Manson formed the band Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids. While they did go through a different few members, the early ones all had the same type of names as Manson, like Olivia Newton Bundy. Twitty Ramirez and Madonna Wayne Gacy. Oh, get up. <laughs> I, I don't think it's our type of entertainment, but I'm not going to knock it too much. That is true. I've been feeling like you can't judge people, but I'm not judging the people who like Marilyn Manson. I'm judging them dumbass names because, <laughs> I mean, come on. At least Marilyn Manson has some flow to it. What did you just say that last one? Madonna Wayne Gacy. What the fuck? <laughs> which mean, I, come on. I think they ended up changing their name to Pogo, which John Wayne Gacy went by his clown name. I think that's the one that did. <laughs> I ain't even mad at Pogo. I could do it. I could dig Pogo more, but I'm just saying. I just I'm not judging the people who like it. You can like what you like. I like some weird stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> From early on, Manson wanted to push the envelope. The band went on stage wearing makeup. They were turning Manson's poems into songs. A woman named Mansi, who was friends with Manson's then girlfriend, started being in the show. Manson would have her on a leash while he sang. That moved to Manson punching her in the face during performances, which he says she asked him to do. Everything to Manson was like a lesson or had a meaning behind it. He said he would throw Ziploc baggies filled with cat poop and some filled with chocolate chip cookies in a way to make people think, like, don't make assumptions. You just ate cat shit cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it it depended which bad you got, either cat poop or the cookies. Yeah, and I'm just saying, don't make assumptions. I assume that this is a bag of cat shit in my hand. <laughs> I could probably be able to see that from appearances. It's not a tasty chocolate chip cookie, but I get it. You know, one of those... Like I said, I think I'm too far on the I don't like them side to see any <laughs> yeah to see any of this in a good light. So yeah, I am hating hard, but sometimes you need that on the podcast. I'm just gonna be the hater today. Another time Manson hunted donkey pinata filled with cow brains, chicken livers, and pit intestines, and asked the crowd not to break it. But he would leave a stick by the stage, and of course the crowd <laughs> would eventually break open pinata and be covered. Like I said, I don't get it. I know. <laughs> okay. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't mean this in an offensive way, but I know Manson's fans are mostly white. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we went to a mostly white high school, me and you. And people there seem to be purely black. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was at a concert, and that shit happened to me, I would be so pissed. 
Yeah, I'm, but we would not be finding ourselves at <clears throat> no Marilyn Manson concert. <laughs> well, you yeah. probably would have. And uh, I would in not. High school. And early high school, definitely you, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you was definitely with the Marylands. <laughs> and I'm all for artists pushing the envelope, but I don't get it. We don't get it. That's why sometimes yeah. I kind of wish we had like a third co-host, just because me and you like very similar things. We got a couple of white people we could put in front of a microphone but we don't trust their thoughts (laughs) (laughs) yeah manson would later have an affair with nancy the woman he punched on stage and when he ended things he kicked her out of the band he told her she wasn't really in the band she was just a prop nancy tried to get back at manson by calling clubs and canceling the band sex and telling his girlfriend about the affair Manson thought of ways to murder her and planned to set her place on fire, but got spooked and didn't go through with it. Man, they were both on the same pages. (laughs) I'm trying to get you blacklisted. I'm trying to commit murder. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What? That whole getting punched in the face on stage. We did really bypass that real quick. What is that about, too? About patriarchy. (laughs) In 1993, Marilyn Manson's band gets signed to Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails record label. 1994, Manson's first album comes out. It's called Portrait of an American Family. And it's not huge, but it does get more of a following for the band. I mean, 1994 was a great year for our country. I was born. <laughs> 1995, Manson covers the Eurythmic song Sweet Dreams. And this really helps them be known to like a mainstream audience. Did you listen to that cover? Did you like that? Because I know you usually like uh, the Eurythmics. I'm glad you said it first. (laughs) That's why I've been practicing. I said it real fast. Eurythmics. (laughs) Um, I love the original so much. It's probably like one of my top five favorite songs of all time Mm -hmm. that I don't like to cover that much but i mean it's not bad it's just not the one i like thing okay i was just wondering 1996 the second album antitrust antitrust superstar debuts at number three on billboard this is where manson's song the beautiful people comes out and i think that's his most known song besides sweet dreams 1998 mechanical animals comes out that sounds like, I like that. Mechanical animal. <laughs> yeah. And that album reaches number one on Billboard. I see something about that name. I, it resonated with me as well. 1998 is when the Manson book, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell, comes out as well. And there are some things in that book that now looking back, people are realizing are not okay. I don't know if it's because we are at a different time or with later allegations that is causing this to resurface. Like stuff that they were previously okay with when they read it and now not liking it? Yeah. I don't know. Because it wasn't that big of a deal back then. But the next scandals are straight out of his autobiography. So here we go. In the book, he talks about making a video called Kelly's Cornhole with Trent Reznor. No, Trent Reznor. In the video, Manson alleges that they pour Kelly and another woman tequila while they pour themselves beer. They are partying in the house actress Sharon Tate was murdered at. 
And they get the two women to chug their drinks, and they are obviously more drunk than the men because their drinks are tequila and the other ones are drinking beer. So right there, you know, red flag. Yeah. They are drunk running, get in the pool, and Manson refers to Kelly as a sea beast. No, a sea bass. Because of how she smells, and they decide to play Guess Who's Touching You. Damn. The other woman passes out, so it's now Manson and Trent and Kelly. They wrap a towel around Kelly's head and say it made them feel better. Not that her body was better, but like covering her face. Manson says they are squeezing her nipples and prodding around her genitals, and they are laughing because they are both drunk, though not nearly as drunk as she was. He says they end up finding white fuzz or a piece of porn around her rectum, and it disgusts and shocks them, but they, quote, continue our debasement of this poor, unsuspecting person. So I found a cigarette lighter, and I started to burn her pubic hair. Though it didn't hurt her, it didn't help things smell any better than they already did. That incident pretty much ends there, and he says they both ran away when she wanted to cuddle. If it was consensual, that's one thing. But saying that they kind of tricked them into getting more drunk than them. That is not consensual. They're already at a disadvantage of not even knowing all the information. That that whole story was gross. So not only did this poor thing apparently happen, but then you... Then you recount the story and re-humiliate whoever this person could have been in the book with such graphic and unnecessary details. Yeah, I and I left to know some things half out. Of that shit. I left a you lot left out. things out. Yeah, because he just of keeps, that story. He just keeps calling her like fish lady, sea beast, and like different names, and it's yeah. And weird. he says like, they did make a video, but they lost the video. So you also recording people too? Mm-hmm. I do. And this wasn't a big guy, and he wrote about this himself. Yeah, he put his own stuff well, out there. And okay, so was... the autobiography is like half him, and then there's half of it where it's like someone doing an interview. So he's telling the story in an interview, like it's haha. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah. <laughs> that shit is terrible. I do okay. want to say Trent from Nine Inch Nails had denied this happened. He said, quote, I have been vocal over the years about my dislike of Manson as a person and cut ties with him nearly 25 years ago. As I said at the time, the passage from Manson's memoir is a complete fabrication. I was infuriated and offended back when it came out and remains so today. I can see it not being true and him making it up as a way that he just likes to do stuff like that. Uh, I could also see it as um, maybe this shit happened, but it wasn't with Trevor, but he Trent. put Trevor in it. Trent. Trent. <laughs> Trent. Tre- <gasps> Not Trevor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm I'm supposed to never use that name. I'm sorry. But he put Trent's name in it. Um, That's another thing. A lot of these things that we talked about, he could always come back and be like, I just said that for shock value. It's not it, true. Mm-hmm. It's so outrageous. How could it possibly be true? But he'd be doing outrageous shit, so. Yeah. Another thing he talks about in the book is having a crush on a girl. And when she didn't seem to be interested, he would call her from a payphone where he could see her, but she couldn't see him. And she was working at a mall. 
and say things like, we're watching you and you better not leave work tonight because we're going to rape you in the parking lot and then crush you underneath your own car. Manson and bandmate Jordy made these types of calls for about a month. Like he tells all these types of stories as a funny thing, but doesn't really take the woman into account. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's terrible. I'm just saving most of it because, I mean, I know it gets worse. If we only, I, I feel like we ain't really started yet. Another story Manson tells is a deaf fan coming backstage and there's bandmates and other guys and they cover her in meat, like sandwich raw meat, meat and other raw oh, meat. Okay. Yeah, like both. Ugh. He says like a meat sculpture while she is naked. They want to see if two of the guys' penises will fit in her mouth and they try to take them together, but it doesn't really work. And then one of them has sex with her while yelling stuff at her because she's deaf and she can't hear. And they end it all yeah. with all of them peeing on her in the shower. So this is just a weird fucked up one. If it was consensual, then whatever. But I don't know. It's a fan. So right there, the power dynam- dynamic is off. There are more in his book. He opens the book about talking about his grandfather was a secret crossdresser and that he was into bestiality, his grandfather. And I feel everything he talks about does revolve or reference sex in some way. Mm-hmm. And again, all this was released in 1998. In 1999, the Columbine shooting happened. I think journalists and people in general were looking for answers on why something like this could happen, and they tried to scapegoat Manson. The two shooters were labeled as Manson fans since they had a golf look, which was not true. They did like some music similar to Manson's, but were not a fan of Manson. Mm-hmm. Manson well, that don't mean nothing. I mean, some you some things you just can't be responsible for. Exactly. You, I mean, they them them little them teenagers knew what they was doing and put them plans in motion and listening to some music was not about to influence them any less or more to not do what they did. Manson told the guardian, his concerts weren't just being picketed and protested, but he was receiving daily death threats hundreds a day. And this was still going on two years after in 2001 during Ozfest and like death threats and bomb threats. Mm, They really don't like that, man. (laughs) (laughs) On MTV.com, I found an article from 1999 where it says 10 United States senators sent a letter to Seagram's, the company that owned Manson's record label, asking it to stop distributing music that glorifies violence. Manson ended up canceling the rest of his tours. He released this statement on his website around that time. The media has unfairly scapegoated the music industry and so-called golf kids and has speculated with no basis in truth that artists like myself are in some way to blame. This tragedy was a product of ignorance, hatred, and access to guns. Before we move off the subject, do you think Manson holds any accountability for it? (sighs) Here, I don't know what I was going to say. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't Manson is a man who I do not agree with at all and does have say violent and weird things but if he is not personally um grooming these people or having direct influence into their lives I feel like he cannot be um a majority responsible for anything some somebody might do who is a fan or just has listened to their music that's just not fair because then that's just 
then nobody can have any media of any sort without anything good or bad being pushed upon them as their uh, cause. If, if you, somebody puts out a song and everybody donates to tra- charity, it's great. But if somebody puts out a song and a couple people who were their fans, you know, sh- shoot something up, you it's not fair for the artist to take responsibility on that unless they are directly influencing so no in that case he does not have responsibility but and i also don't like when the government like u.s senators and shit like that decide to get involved on such a polarizing issue because it just shows you where government has always been their head is always somewhere else because there's probably about 20 other bills about mm-hmm. your, your state, your community, the finance, the budget or whatever that you could have been looking over. But you decided to sign some shit about um, Marilyn Manson talking to his record label like you would have any influence over there. Like record labels are not all about the money and the um, the press. I Yeah, I don't think he holds any accountability. I think it's a very slippery slope. If we start trying to ban things like that where do we stop? Like violent movies, violent games, true. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the true crime general, like if someone has that darkness in them, it doesn't matter what type of music or media they watch. Exactly. Yes. You've said, you said such, so more eloquently. <laughs> and that was 1999. His biggest record was in 1998. He has produced several records after that, but not to the success that he had, has had. So I think it did damage his career somewhat. And maybe he was just like, he hit the time where um, the interest in him just peaked. I, I think it's maybe a little both. And I think and the shock value. Sometimes I, it gets over, uh, people get over it. I think he was kind of changing how his style a little bit at that time too, but it was at that time where everyone was saying violent video games are doing this, violent music is doing this. So he could have just been a casualty of that as well. Mm -hmm. I got what we're about to talk about the timeline from insider.com. So in 2005, our 36-year-old married Manson met 19-year-old actress Evan Rachel Wood. In 2007, Manson is now divorced and starts publicly dating Evan. The same year, Evan appears in Manson's song, Heart-Shaped Glasses. I listened to the song, and it's pretty good. In the video, there's a point where they are covered in blood and kissing. Manson said this about the song. When I saw her wearing those, the first thing I said to her was, if you break my heart, I'll break your glasses. And I meant it in an almost violent way, but also in a romantic way. Uh, okay (laughs) i would love for somebody to explain the romance evan said the video shows that it's okay to have different weird ideas about romance and that blood-filled sex scene was one of the most romantic moments in my entire life people would be surprised at the kind of healthy loving relationship i'm really just being me and growing up i'm sorry if i have blonde hair and blue eyes and my boyfriend looks like a vampire what do you want me to do about it? She said this during an interview with GQ. Yeah, she was also a teenager still. Early 20s at this point. Oh, early 20s has been a couple years? Yeah. Okay, okay. She's 21. Sounds, okay, it just sounds so <laughs> rebel teenager. It, it does. I'm so sorry that I'm beautiful and talented. <laughs> and my boyfriend looks like a vampire. 
I'm not meaning to make fun of Evan, but it's just the archetype. Yeah. Like, you, you see that in movies and stuff like that. In 2008, they break up for a bit. And there are rumors they broke up because Manson is controlling or abusive. Evan tells people.com, not just people. <laughs> <laughs> that, that always gets me. I hate me telling people. <laughs> so she tells people that the rumors are not true and they broke up to focus on their work. She says, quote, Manson has been by my side and taken care of me through the best and worst times. I love him as a person and as an artist. I will always be proud of, to have been a part of that. Okay. And she also said in there, I didn't get the exact quote, but something like, you know, because they would say a source close to them. Yes. She said, if a source told you that there's not someone that's close to me, something like that. Like, you know, they did it wrong. They're far away. In 2009, Manson says he called Evan 158 times and each time he would cut himself. He says his actions were stupid, but intentional. He said he had fantasies of smashing her stall with a sledgehammer and Evan and Manson end up back together. Okay. That's the first one. Well, the first public one. Yeah, they've had like little here, there, here, there. So January 2010, Manson proposes to Evan in Paris while performing. The engagement lasts eight months and then they break up again. August 2015, Evan talks about Manson. They have now been broken up about five years. She's been married and divorced. And Evan says she wanted to break, she wanted to break a mold being with Manson. She never felt freer and edgier, and the freedom was attractive. I'm paraphrasing here, but she says she appreciates everything Manson taught her. She just doesn't think they were right for each other. November 2016, Evan talks about being raped while in a relationship. She didn't name who it was and says it was years ago and it took her a while to understand it. it was still rape even though they were in a relationship. Mm. February 2018, Evan testifies at the House of Representatives for a bill about sexual assault survivors. She talks about being brainwashed and having threats against her life and waking up to being raped by her boyfriend. She said there were rituals of binding her hands and feet and being mentally and physically tortured. She talks about him using an electric wand on her until her abuser felt that she had proven her love. And at this time, she's so what Uh, electric what wand. Wand. Oh, okay. Kind of like a sex toy, I guess. Mm -hmm. She's still not naming Manson at this point. She says she's had PTSD and struggles with depression, addiction problems, agoraphobia and night terrors. In in April 2019, she is testifying to the California Senate of Public Safety Committee for the Phoenix Act, which is about statute of limitations for domestic violence crimes. I think this is when I first heard about it. Yeah, because you can watch these videos. There are Mm -hmm. out there of her testifying. I think they're like public because, you know, it was for the Senate and the House. Yeah. She says she was groomed as a teenager and separated from friends and family. She says she adopted a persona of what he wanted her to be and lost sight of herself. She says her phone was monitored and kept close by means of starvation, sleep deprivation, and threats. Again, Evan has not named him, but there are rumors swirling around that she has talked about Manson. I also want to add that 
I put the earlier stuff in of her comments just because she did say it, it's public record out there. I'm in no way defending Manson, but these are what people are doing to defend Manson. They're using her previous comments to say, like, you know, they what can- she said back then, it was great. Yeah, I mean, it could go both ways. She wasn't out of the cycle. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, she can say a hundred times he abused uh-huh. her, but people are always going to use those quotes. Yeah, like, like unfortunately, it can be used against, it can be used for. Yes, that is the unfortunate fact. So September 2020, Manson's doing a phone interview, and when they mention Evan Rachel Woods, Manson hangs up. His team releases a statement saying there are several names that Evan could be talking about around that time she was dating. And ex-fiance Rose McGowan talks fondly about Manson and ex-wife Von Teese remained friends with Manson. That's what his like statement is saying. Mm-hmm, which is like, why they even make a statement? Yeah. So February 1st, 2021. So just this year. Manson is named as Evan's abuser. She posts a statement on Instagram naming him and saying she's no longer living in fear or retaliation, slander or blackmail. And she's going to expose a dangerous man before he can ruin any more lives. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but you can find her full statement online. The same day, Manson is dropped by his label. Rose McGowan says she stands with Evan and other brave women who have come forward. She says while Manson was not like that with her, that has no bearings on whether he was like that with others before or after mm-hmm. which i think is a great statement rose mcdowan is a little out there sometimes but yeah she, this was a little bit when she was reeled in <laughs> yeah but i mean i think that statement right there is very powerful because a lot of people try to say where well, did he abuse this woman if he didn't then he didn't abuse anyone you know yeah like people think that abusers abuse every person that they've been with a lot of abusers are very smart. And so they know cert- they use people as fronts or they know certain women wouldn't go for that, but they still keep them in their lives. They abuse certain women that they know they could have control over or who open themselves up more than other. Like it's, it's all, it's so much intricacies. So yeah, yes, of course he wasn't going to be, some people are abusive to everybody they've been with. Some people are not, but yeah, that's perfect because it's a way of validating yeah, she had a relationship with this man and it wasn't abusive on her end, but that does not mean that somebody is not capable of doing that. Yes, and Rose McGowan has done a lot of good for the Me Too movement. And mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a great statement by her. Yeah. Um, February 3rd, 2021, Wes Borland, a member of List of Limp Biscuit, and, <laughs> <laughs> and he was also a Manson's band from 2008 to 2009 had this to say every single thing that people have said about him is fucking true. So relax about the allegations towards the women. Like when people say these women are coming after him right now, fuck off. They're speaking the truth. And I mean, that is someone who knows Manson, someone who has known him more recently. So yeah, it's like one of those double-edged swords, like, yeah thank you and then it's like wait homie what was you doing though <laughs> yeah he you, there's more to that statement against the cause there was more to that statement that i did not put in here where he was like i was there when the stuff was going on with having rachel wood and i'm like mm, well. and i was just 
so horrified that I. Which I don't item? know. It's like, okay, in the moment, I can completely understand not knowing what to do and wanting to keep things private. I don't, uh, it's so hard with the bystanders because you can't yeah. really completely lambast them and be like, you should have been, you should have told her, you should have exposed them. Because first of all, um, you're thinking this isn't my fight. You're uh-huh. thinking I am unfortunately financially involved in this. And third, you don't know what that dynamic is. And uh, unfortunately, it was a toxic dynamic that they repeated a couple times before and she finally got out. Just how you said, like, bystander, I think we all would like to think, like, if we saw something, we would say something and act in that moment. And mm-hmm. that's not always the case. You don't always know how to react. You just exactly. kind of freeze. Or it could have been one of those things where they make up, break up, make up, break up. And he's like, oh, I'm not getting involved in this one. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't. I, I You wish they would have said something. And, and I kind of wish she still would have said something after he was out of the band, for, like, to lend a hand to some of the the statements but like i like you can't completely get on somebody for not getting involved in something that personally didn't involve them yeah february sits another instagram post from evan said i was taught a jew in a derogatory manner he would draw swastikas over my bedside table when he was mad at me i heard the n-word over and over everyone around him was expected to laugh and join in if you did not or God forbid, called him out. You were singled out and abused more. God damn, nigga. <laughs> yeah. So, so why? 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 I I never understand the whole um, racism is funny. Funny, like I get the occasional joke and stuff. But like straight up racist, like calling racist names. How is that funny? Well, I don't know if he did it calling her Jew to be funny because she is Jewish since her mother converted, I believe. Mm-hmm. But the whole like swastikas, he was he's like drawing like, them. What is, yeah, uh, like... patronizing her. That whole little thing. I don't understand entertainment. But you know, I'm not um, a masochist or a sadist or a racist. Yes. So other women have come out to say they were also abused by Marilyn Manson. Another woman that came out against Manson is Ashley Morgan Smithline. I got this information from the interview she did with People magazine. Ashley and Manson met in 2010. She said she was drawn in by Manson's intelligence and how he would talk about films and literature. She said at first he would just text her a lot and ask her to buy Nazi memorabilia like knives, whips, and throwing stars. Ashley is Jewish. But she thought it was just like a little joke between them. <laughs> That's not funny, bro. How did you? Sorry. You thought the Nazi memorabilia was just y'all's inside joke. Yeah, not my type of humor, but yeah. Exactly. But okay, continue. She said the first time he abused her, he whipped her with one of the Nazi whips. She woke up one time with her hands tied and he was raping her. He would cut her with a knife and carved his initials into her thigh. Manson keeps his windows blocked out and his house cold. And that was in his book as well. Like, so that is a common thing. Like he always keeps his windows blocked out for some reason, his house cold. But 
So I'm not okay, sure. Nobody see in. I'm not sure about the reasoning behind it, but Ashley says it was to like mess with her, like not know her what day it was. If it's night or day, he would keep her sleep deprived. Ashley. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, if you're, if, if you are so-called abusing multiple women throughout the years, blacked out windows can only serve your purpose so well. Like that's, that that's definitely what you would want. Whether it's for people being nosy on the outside or for the people you're holding captive inside to not to be disoriented. It could be a reason. Yeah. Mm, it's fucked up. Mm-mm. Ashley also claims there is a glass box called the bad girl's room. It is a soundproof glass box. I don't know how big it is, but in a 2011 article from V magazine, it is described as a former shower or steam room. So I imagine like shower size. And he would put Ashley in there for hours as punishment. And this is all alleged. I do want to say that there are some things he can't deny. The bad girl's room is documented. It was, I think the first time was from 2011, but I don't know if there's previous or more from there. Ashley does have a star, but a statement released by a spokesperson from Manson said, there are so many falsehoods with her claim that we wouldn't know where to begin to answer them. The relationship, to the limited extent it was a relationship, didn't last one week. People Magazine said that Ashley provided text, emails, and messages that spanned over two years. So we can say that maybe it was longer than one week. Like the spokesperson trying to make it seem like there's only one week. But if she has text and messages over two years, you know, that's provable. He's trying to discredit her because she's not, she's not, she doesn't hold a lot of weight in the industry. She ain't, she's not, she's just a regular person. Because, because what type of statement is that? There's so many falsehoods, but let's talk about the truth. Yeah, it's so many. You didn't deny them and you didn't say it's all. It's a statement, but it's not really a statement. Mm -hmm. It's just like. Oh, look at this pathetic girl. There's so many things she lied about. Don't even get the relationship wasn't even long enough for most of these things to even happen. Whereas nah, bruh, at the at the at the least, she was telling the truth about the length of time she's known this man. Yeah. And I guess he could also try to say the star was consensual, but I don't know. With it with some of the Stuff with well, with a lot of the stuff being alleged, it is hard uh, to kind of really. I'm treating it all as true because you just know me. I'm just yeah guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> but it's just with the his behavior and the way that he's come out, like with the way he was comfortable in his book divulging the fact that he from a point in time in his life just continuously beat on his mother yeah and you didn't i mean he didn't sound it didn't sound like in his book he came to some big enlightenment so what makes me think that you went from beating on your mother because you got beat on and bullied as a child in your own household to just suddenly being cured and having money women and all these other things at your disposable disposal and you just were 
being a good little boy is just so hard because it's his demeanor. You don't want to judge, but he also has given us some of uh, some um, a lot of information to go off on. Manson had this to say. Obviously, my art and my life have long been magnets for controversy, but these recent claims about me are horrible distortions of reality. My intimate relationships have always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners, regardless of how and why others are now choosing to misrepresent the past. That is the truth. That's not all the truth. He just said his partners were consensual. Like they entered in a relationship with you consent. Like that was consensual, but they didn't, they may not have consented to the alleged rape and abuse that happened within those relationships. I think this is what people are defending Manson are saying that these claims of abuse were consensual and just like BDSM. And Mm -hmm. it's harder to prove something like that. Like with Bill Cosby, you know, his was more with random women. And then this one, Manson is more of people who is in a relationship with. So anytime it's like that, people are always going to be like, well, you were with them for two years or something stupid like that, you know? Because he had to build that rapport and that trust to do the most extreme things that he did with those women. Like I'm, I'm thinking that even if even the casual fan would have not done a lot of the things or kind of wouldn't have been embedded in that Stockholm syndrome like the others. Like he had time with them. He lured them in with his his well, he allegedly lured him in with his intelligence and who he was, uh, his veneer, you know, the facade. And then once he got the trust and the loyalty and all that, and they're so in love with them and they feel indebted, well, things happen and it messes with your mind. And then you're confused. Like Evan is that, that you're, you're getting raped, but you're not sure if it's rape because you're in a relationship. But no, it's, it's definitely rape because even though this is your boyfriend, you do not want what he's doing. That is very true. And Evan has said this. She said, quote, Brian and I never had a BDSM relationship. We didn't even have kinky sets. We weren't having sexual intercourse when I was being tortured before or after. I thought I was going to die the entire time. And I think people see this persona of Manson and they kind of sum it up to where, what'd you expect type of thing. Yeah. You got both sides. You got, you can't judge a book by his cover. And then the people who don't really like him are like, well, he's a freak. Why, why would you think he'd be anything different? Which isn't fair either. Yeah. 12 other women have come forward also alleging abuse against Manson. Unfortunately, due to the time, we'll not be able to cover each of their experiences, but they all pretty much follow the same pattern. They meet Manson. He love bombs them, then acts like the perfect boyfriend. He starts doing more and more to push their boundaries. Drugs are usually involved like cocaine, deprives them of sleep, isolates them, deprives them of food and finds ways to humiliate them Mm -hmm. On, on September. September 15, 2021, so just recently, a judge dismissed a case from a Jane Doe because it was past the statute of limitations. She is able to refile. There is a delayed discovery rule where it allows you to work around the statute of limitations. Her first lawsuit tried to invoke the delayed discovery rule, citing repressed memories. 
After she refiled on the 23rd, it is now under the reason that he threatened to bash her head in if she told authorities. There are three other lawsuits against Manson right now, and I think I think they're civil cases. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Um, because they probably don't. It's like like we've said before, civil cases are easier to win than criminal cases. It's just so hard with this one just because they and I'm not saying they're wearing a relationship as a way to defend him. I'm saying it's hard to prove it in the eyes of the law either way to me like yeah and that whole the the statute of limitations it just bugs the hell out of me for so many reasons and not only this Marilyn Manson but just for so many reasons because they got murder on an unlimited statute of limitations but they got things like you know rape and sexual assault so, as as short as like a few years like what what type what is that yeah i don't think there should be such limitations on that and um, with how crazy how crazy his um on his how he was on stage marilyn manson and and how he explained how he was in the book like that whole story with the fish and the cornhole that shit was crazy you could also see some of his potential could be maybe victims out there uh, have a a very large degree of embarrassment of not wanting to come forward in that respect as well. Yes. Because um, who knows what the hell he did I that we like don't know. That is true. I or Okay. I always try to go in thinking that people are innocent. Like I did not know much about Marilyn Manson and just to play the devil's advocate, I was thinking what would someone like Evan Rachel Wood have to gain from this? You know, if she was lying, because obviously if you go to his music video, people are always going to be defending him. There's always defenders out there mm-hmm. and they're, she's, you know, a pretty decent actress. Like she's on Westworld, which is a, TV show that is on yes. HBO that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty good as in popular, which I don't, I haven't really watched it. Um, Me neither, but we, we know it's popping. Yeah. Like, she has been going to committees to fight, you know, for statute of limitations to be extended. Like, this is something that's personal to her. She's, it took her years to come out and name him. Like, she was doing this all kind of behind the scenes. She wasn't like really drawing that much attention to it. I don't see her really gaining anything from this. If anything, it would hurt her career more. Yeah, and him and his his team are like giving out these vague statements and um, not really out there to officially prove his innocence. Just let the mystery hang in. So yeah. I, the mystery to me is that you're you're guilty, sir. I also saw some people, and I don't know if it's true, I didn't even look up to it because it was stupid in my opinion, um, say that, well, she's friends with Amber, what's her name, Amber Heard or something, whoever was dating Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cover them one day, but it's like, and she, Amber was making up the accusation, so she must be too. And it's like, I I don't know what those have to do with one another, just because like they're friendly or friends, because... Manson and Johnny Depp are friends. Like, I I don't know. Like, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? So I didn't even look that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, um, 
Well, I can't say anything because here's here's I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. If I was on the other side, I definitely would be like, yeah, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> do you think so? Some in some cases, yes. So I do understand using that argument. It's a smart argument when you don't really have much evidence on your side. So of course, you pull out all the stops and say, Yeah, didn't didn't that one her one of her friends lie about some stuff and it's crazy. But no, it's all about intention and how they go about it. And Evan Rachel Wood has carried like she's carried herself in a way that it's not all about the accusations. First of all, she was fighting. She was first telling her story. Then she was fighting for others and trying to, um, to, to make, to make a change in a law that is antiquated. Yes. And she kept his name out of it until the bitter end as a way to personalize and, and, and basically just get the naysayers out there and just, you know, uh, clear it all up but at, at first it's, it wasn't about a selfish need it was about a need to help others and that tells me that even um if you can't rely on some of those other stories her story is mostly just about educating of course she she would want justice for herself and uh any other potential victims of man Maryland's but she's about helping somebody and getting her story out there as a means to not put somebody in the position that she was, where she was kind of blinded and she was kind of groomed and she was kind of uh, aware about the shit storm she was in when it was too late. That's kind of where we leave off with Manson. More recently, he appeared with Kanye West and the baby on the song Jail Part 2. Yeah. I feel like the reaction was mostly negative to it. But like we kind of discovered so far, there's always going to be a fan base for these so-called canceled slubs. Yeah, it's like a trio of, I don't no, no, I'm not going to say that. But I don't like most of those people that you said, <laughs> <laughs> the baby Kanye West or Maryland. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know why Kanye West would try to, like, I know what his point was, like, associate himself with those two people. Controversy, but, they gonna listen, and he probably sees himself and all those people as um wrongfully accused or something. Wrongfully accused, polarizing figures. We're not who we put out to be in the world. We're really different, you know, bullshit. With Manson, and people that were gonna listen, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. With Manson, he has so much shock value and treating women like props already. That it is not hurting his brand. I guess time will tell if he makes a comeback. Um, he's old. I also think it's kind of like a young man's game. I, I think about that where a lot of celebrities, though, that we have talked about when they get a little bit too old. That's when all the secrets come out. Yeah, because they're not as powerful as they once were. I feel like that is really what happens. Like those, uh, we, these young ass men was threatening these girls and they were really scared because they had muscle and people behind them. And they were really popular at their time. And they were really, they had all the eyes and all the followers. And then as time goes by and the popularity lessens and they get older in age and gets more about let me free myself of these burdens that are weighing heavy on my mind and my body and out these motherfuckers. 
I do want to end it with saying all these accusations are alleged. Nothing has been proven against Marilyn Manson. But also Marilyn Manson has not proven his innocence. (laughs) (laughs) That that is true. Um, I think we always tend to side with the victims. Because we have been victims of various systems. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have anything to add about Marilyn Manson? I feel like you've been anti-Marilyn Manson, which I, I'm not but going I, to knock you so, for. Yeah, as soon as this, I knew what direction I was leaning, I just had to announce it. Because I even I was like, damn, I can't just... I'm sorry, but I chose a side and I stuck to it. I will say that it was a lot of inappropriate laughter. But it wasn't really laughing at these victims. It was just so... So, so many of these details were outrageous to me. Yeah, and I mean, it's uncomfortable to talk about these stuff like laughter is going to get in there i don't have anything else to add for him i think time will tell yeah he's he'll never he ain't he ain't got nothing in the safe he'll just thrive on whatever controversy he has left in his back pockets but you know he ain't gonna go back to no 90s maryland no i think that ship has sailed yeah he'll just live on his he'll just coast on his reputation forever on the fans that are still wanting to hear from him yeah. yeah. Um, we do like to end every episode with something positive, positive. a form of media that we like, that we yeah. enjoy, that we want to share or talk about. I went first last time. So, Katrina, it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay. I wasn't prepared for you to really sell. Okay. My media is um, a 2004 comedy called Hair Show. <laughs> Uh, it has Monique in it. It's got Kalita Smith, who you also know as uh, Wanda from the Bernie Mac show. Uh, Gina Torres, Taraji P. Henson, and a chock full of other people who we like. Guest star Serena Williams. You know, Debo, Tiny Lester Williams. No, it's not Williams. Tiny Lester, because <laughs> I can't remember his last name. His, his, his full name but uh basically hair show is like um i always for some reason when i was younger i always got it confused with beauty shop and huh. not not in the way that i thought they were the same but i thought that they had the same plot which is not true hair show is basically about monique and uh kalita smith being sisters and then their grandma dies and uh they read the will and one sister gets the money and monique gets the bible and what happens later which is the sister opens up a show and monique's in debt to the irs and they have a hair show and it's about sisterhood and it's just so funny and uh very stereotypical this is a 2004 film so there is an asian character who is an asian character essentially and then you know the black people are gossips and 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 ghetto but it I like it for what it is, <laughs> which is just a simple comedy uh, that gives you some cheap laughs, but it really just showcases mostly Monique's comic timing and her just being able to carry a film and it uh, wrapping it up into a tight bow about, you know, coming together and being sisters and winning money and getting yourself out of debt with the IRS. Interesting. What is a hair show? Uh, the hair show is basically in different states or 
coast or whatever they do these hair shows where uh all these salons or people enter and you do different categories or stuff like that and you walk the runway or people vote and I don't know because I'm not officially uh, a part of that scene I just watched the show for god damn it I I just heard where a hair show was I felt bad because here's the thing I ain't never been to no hair show and even though I do love this movie the hair show definitely was not one of the biggest parts of the budget (laughs) I loved how they was like they got 12 salons back and we got 10 salons, but we was only seeing like two presentations. <laughs> huh. I get it. You can't put everybody on the screen, but it was it was very simple. But it's just a funny movie, you know, and it's young Taraji P. Henson. And I love young Taraji P. Henson, you know, before she got real paid, <laughs> she's still doing the core black movies. Interesting. I will never watch it, but interesting. Oh yeah, you you would never watch it. This would never come down your alley. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add about hair show? Um, I was, uh, uh, before they take it down because you know YouTube don't like nothing for free. Somebody uploaded it on YouTube. <laughs> that's how. That's why it was my media because I caught it on YouTube the other day. I put it on my playlist. Cause I uh, the the DVD is too expensive. Anything more than ten dollars is too expensive for a DVD. Okay. Well, since the first day of fall has just passed, we're now on the third day of fall. Um, mine are starts. We? we are, and it is now are labor we? season. Oh damn! And Mercury's about to be in retrograde. But okay. my media is a little spooky, so we can do it in the spooky season. It's fall. It's not Halloween though. It's like you didn't much. even you didn't even wait till October. It's pretty yeah, it's pretty much fall. It's pretty much spooky season. Okay, so mine is the movie Misery. And Ooh, damn, that's a good one. It is a good one, thank you. I'm just joking, it was trash. <laughs> sorry, I just had to say it. Podcast over. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, finish. I'm done interrupting. <laughs> I watched the movie first and Then I read the book. So I'm going to talk about the book first, even though I watched the movie first. The book was okay. I'm not a huge Stephen Stephen King fan. It's hit or miss for me. Like everyone was like, read The Shining, read The Shining. So I read The Shining and it was crap. It was boring. So I was always afraid to read Misery, the book, because I'm like, well, it's going to ruin the movie for me. But I finally read it and it was pretty decent. Um, I do think the movie's so much better. And I think the main reason because of that is Kathy Bates. She brings a likability to the character that the book doesn't have as much. And if you guys haven't seen the movie, it's about a writer crashes and his number one fan saves him. It's so good. And brings him back to her cabin or not cabin, her house. But it's like in the the woods and there's snow everywhere. (laughs) And she like lies and says, oh, you know, we can't go to the hospital right now because the blizzard and you can't leave. And then when he tries to leave, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it now, you're never to watch it. You know, no, if you haven't seen it, cut this off right now. <laughs> okay, there's so many references to misery. Like, even if you haven't seen it, you know what happens. That's true. So she breaks his legs with a sledgehammer and he can't walk. And she does it all because she's so much in love with his work and she's his number one fan and she wants to keep him there and she wants him to write this 
great new book about misery and it's great and spoiler alert she does die at the end and i actually felt bad for her (laughs) when i first saw the movie when i was a kid bro there was some parts i did even though even after she had done some crazy shit i did still feel bad but that is true it's just it is it goes to how much kathy bates is just so great because yeah i love kathy bates in anything but yeah I think that's why in misery. I like the movie better because she does bring the likability to it and she brings a scariness to it and uh she brings everything to it and it's I mean cocky duty. Come on. I mean that's masterpiece wording right there. But kind of what got me thinking about it was (laughs) going through these comments of fan bases on Twitter and just seeing people like how hard they go for their you know celebrity and like me and you we stand celebrities all the time but mm-hmm. <laughs> these people are vicious online and they're just talking about other people and like arguing it's like if you found them in the woods you would totally keep them in your house like <laughs> that's just what it makes me think of like y'all going off the deep end with it yeah because we like people but it's more you know we we ain't going on twitter or instagram threatening people yeah i i was pretty <laughs> We've never written a comment like, bitch, what the fuck you say about Nikki? What you say about Meryl Viola? Yeah, I saw this one thing. Did I I don't want to say which fan base it was, but they were talking about some they were arguing back and forth, and they're like, This is why you're um this is why you're they said idol or something does this blah 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 and they came back with well this is why your daddy did or something like that and i'm like damn you going sometimes you gotta tell somebody why your daddy did you clicked on their profile and just oh why they vicious like yeah that's what they be saying now they be like bro this is the this is the um well, they say something like, how are you going to come at me? And then in your bio, you got RIP somebody. Like, you already know that's the first thing they're about to get at. <laughs> it, it's horrible. Um, but Misery's my media. It's a good media. I haven't watched it or read it this year, so I might do that. Well, since you said something, let me put in real quick. If we got to pick a KB media, Kathy Bates, mine would be American Horror Story, Roanoke, what season was that? Because you know better than me. Six. Six. Oh, okay. I was on there. Okay. I will say this. If you ain't never watched uh, a season in your life, it should be Coven. And it, Coven, Co- can I not say words now? Co- Coven, whatever, in Roanoke. Because Kathy Bates made both of those seasons, not Coven all by herself, but Roanoke. Uh, exactly. She was great. She's just a great actress. She really thought she was the butcher. She was butchering people. That shit was h- hilarious. And most Honestly, people don't like her. It was her scary, own, but it was hilarious. I think you that's like why? the least favorited one. There's an episode in the middle of the season that is just kind of like, okay, first of all, I didn't know y'all was going to go this way with the whole story. I remember I had to beg you to watch that season. You did because it started. Okay, I was I was locked in when Roanoke started. I was going to watch it, but see that first episode, first couple episodes, it just didn't do it for me. So I checked out. You said this shit's getting good, so I checked <laughs> back in, and it was. And I said, "Oh hell yeah!" I can't believe I stopped watching it. So yeah, my favorite season of American Horror Story is season five, Hotel. Oh yeah, I know you love Hotel. That's eh, okay. And it's not my is, favorite. It's not the worst. It's so weird because I was going to stop watching because, you know, I love Jessica Lane. 
and yes. she wasn't in season five. I'm like, well, I guess I'll watch this, but I probably won't finish it. And it's like the best season. <laughs> they had to replace her with somebody just as a, a big presence. So that's why they chose Lady Gaga. Yeah. And I wasn't a fan of Gaga. I thought she was, you know, I did not have faith in her. I'm like, why are they bringing her? Like, she's not an actress. She's going to ruin it. And she killed it. I would Bravo. say, yes, she really did act great in the part. Even though I don't really watch her like Hotel as a whole, she was great in her part. Yeah. Um, all right. That is all for today. If you want to get at us on Twitter, it's Savior Sorry, but the your is spelled. You are, if you want to send us your media, tell us something you like to watch or listen to or something and what it means to you. You can send us an email at saviorsorry at gmail.com spelled just like the podcast. If you want to keep up on our episodes, we are on Instagram at saviorsorry spelled just like the podcast. Please rate us five stars. Please leave us reviews. Tell us, reach out to us if you agree or not about Manson um, or any of our past celebrities we've covered. Are we too biased? Are we not on a side enough? Are we not on the fence enough? And I would love to know because I don't you, know. I'd just be picking a side and sticking if, with it. If you do reach out, just be respectful. We're going to have different opinions. Me and Katrina sometimes have different opinions on stuff. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I had someone reach out to me about Catherine Hagel and they were very respectful about it. And I'm like, hey, I agree. I support Catherine Hagel. Katrina does not. Like, you know, different sides. Um, different if, strokes for different folks. If you want to donate a dollar or two, Katrina's microphone broke today. You can do that. (laughs) Don't be putting me out. It did. At Cash App, Save Your Sorry. So that's dollar sign. Save Your Sorry on the Cash App. It's a one-time payment. You can do whatever you want, whatever you like. Um, That is all. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.